Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. I what did I do before? I said, all right, all right, all right. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And today on the show, we have Jamie Dave. Jamie is local to the Triangle and unfortunately had a logistical conflict and couldn't join us in the studio, but that's okay because she's here virtually. And, and we're, we're fellow having, mamas. We know what that right? mom life is. <laughs> the message came in. There's a conflict with school and we're like, all right, cool. You could come virtually. Yeah, easy peasy. That's an yeah. easy fix. Yes. Easy fix. Easy so, fix. yep. So, Jamie, why don't you introduce yourself for our listeners and then we'll just roll into it. Yeah, sure. So, I'm super excited to be here with you ladies today. I'm Jamie Davis. I am a divorce attorney. I practice here in Raleigh. I've been doing this for about, gosh, it'll be 20 years next week. I also host a podcast of my own called A Year in a Day, Divorce Without. And as you guys mentioned, I did have a school conflict today. I am a mom of three kids. My oldest is 16. My middle son is 11. And my little guy is five. Nice. Nice. Attorney. Divorce. How did you come to that? It's actually a pretty good story. So I knew ever since I was like five years old that I wanted to go to law school. And so all throughout high school and undergrad, I did everything I could to figure out a way to law school. I was able to go to UNC Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels. And while I was in law school, I thought I was going to do some sort of like criminal defense work maybe. And then I took my very first family law class and the professor was amazing. I fell in love with it. And after that, I just took every family law class that Carolina had to offer and decided family law was the way I wanted to go. I found it to be really fascinating. And after I graduated, I got a job with the firm I'm with now. Back then, it was just Gaylor and Associates. And now we've added lots of other names to the to firm name. But I've been there ever since. And I love, love it. it. For me, as a social worker, I worked in the Autism Center. And after a while, I was like, I can't work in the autism center because I was, hadn't had kids yet. And I'm like, oh, my God, it was shifting my mindset and it was freaking me out of every child in the world. It was like autism and disabilities. And it was so heartbreaking. It was such a difficult journey for those parents that I was like, OK, I have to get some perspective, just like when I volunteered at the Alzheimer's Center. It was like so heartbreaking and it's all I saw all the time. So for you. Because all you're seeing all the time is divorce and marriages breaking. I was wondering where she was like, going with this. And I was right. like, because it does, it like <laughs> gets in your, yeah. it gets in right. your, in your body and in your soul. Well, and it just like, so and it's how- funny. Cause I had like a totally different experience. Cause like in me, whenever I decided I didn't want to do pediatrics because I couldn't handle, I couldn't really be my true authentic self and be like, you're the one fucking your kid up. Right. So that's not therapeutic as it turns out. But no, I, now I see where you're going. So, so as a divorce for, attorney correct. who lives and breathes helping people through divorce. How do you not go, oh, my God, every marriage is going to fail. And I like, you know, where it's like plants. When I worked with couples, I would go home to my husband and I would be like, did you? Because or I just plants these You things. just can't work with people. How are you even here? <laughs> like, what is I'm like, does somebody listening understand what I'm saying? <laughs> can, can I feel seen for a second? So as a divorce attorney, does that get like, how do you separate those things? 
and where it doesn't start to permeate your soul of, oh my God, everybody's out there cheating on everybody or your faith in humanity. That's a great question. And of course, some days are better than others, right? Let's be honest. But I think it's all about creating boundaries and having perspective. When I'm at work, I'm at work and I try to be a zealous advocate for my clients, but I also remain objective. It's not my job to be their best friend or to take their side, right, with every single issue. It's my job to help guide them through the process. And then when I come home, I leave that at the office. And I also think that it has given me some really good tips, advice, whatever you will call it for my own marriage, right? Like yeah. you learn the do's and don'ts of what you need to totally do to true. keep the that marriage That I can together. relate to because yep. I remember being like, we have to make sure we're doing this so that we don't go down. <laughs> so that is not our future right. 10 years from now. Well, <laughs> I've seen where friends who have gone through divorce or when I hear the stories and I, same thing, I go to my, I'm, I'm like, get off the phone or whatever, Stop texting my, and I talked to my husband. This is never happening. We can't. We're <laughs> learning from other people's mistakes. By other You're right. Ways. Like how, like yeah. I'm, I want to encapsulate us in a safe bubble, but yeah. at the same time be real and realistic. And I think it does like the paths that we choose for our careers, for our, our outlets, the people that we choose to let in will help us just make those decisions, right? Like how we're going to move forward. Right. Do you have cases where they, it actually doesn't end in divorce and they end up throughout the process because in North Carolina, you have to be separated for a year before you can file for divorce where it actually reconciles? Yeah, absolutely. And when we have clients come in, depending on the story that they tell me and where they seem to be in the process, I will suggest to them, hey, have you tried couples counseling? Like maybe that's the first step. Maybe it's not getting separated or going through with the divorce, Mm -hmm. but let's see if we can fix it first. And if you try it and you don't fix it, you know, absolutely, we can walk you through the separation process. But yeah, I've also had cases where the clients actually, where the client did separate and they got back together during the year. And in at least two cases, I've had couples that they actually got divorced and then ended up remarrying yep, yep, years right. later. Yeah, well, like Pink did that with Carrie Hart, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, and when you think about a celebrity divorce, right? Or the, didn't Liz Taylor marry Richard Burton twice? Anyway, like when you think of those you know, celebrity divorces and how much money, <laughs> like how much money goes into like equitable division of assets mm-hmm. and like alimony versus, you know, child support, all those things just to be like, it's cool. We love each other. We're going to forget that we spent all that money and we're just going to get married again. And some, pe- yes. some people figure out it's cheaper to stay together. Once you walk them through the math of what it's going to look like if they separate the person so bad after all. I was because- like, <laughs> in my couple therapist <laughs> days, expensive. that's what I would say to them. I would be like, couples therapy is cheaper than a divorce. You sure you don't want to be all in on couples therapy? You yep. sure you don't want to get it? Come on, participate, <laughs> like engage. Because sometimes it is. It's about like laying out those, laying it out in a way. The that, truths? Yeah. <laughs> Laying out the truth. Like when people see it in black and white, sometimes they're more inclined to. To be open to accepting. Yes, that's the word. (laughs) Open to accepting influence. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. So for you, who have been the people in your life that have had that biggest influence on you throughout your career in this? Professionally, I would say my mentor, Carol Gaylor, she taught me everything that I know about being a family law attorney, and I respect her immensely. I think also my children, as strange as that may sound, part of what I do is I counsel folks 
about co-parenting issues. And so dealing with my own three kids has helped me figure out some tips and things that I can share with my clients to make the co-parenting mm-hmm. journey I'd for love them to hear a little bit tips easier. Are. What are some of your co-parenting tips? So for separated spouses, uh, we have lots of tips. Number one, um, don't put anything in writing that you would be ashamed to read out loud in court. Because if you say something snarky in a text message or an email, you better believe you're going to see it again if you end up in a custody lawsuit. Be respectful, be cordial. Don't over communicate. Share the information that you need to share about your kids. But you don't need to be texting and emailing the other parent all the time. It can just be frankly, too much and not necessary. But of course, share the information you need to about extracurricular schedules or school orientations or whatever the thing is. If you know that you can't communicate Mm -hmm. well with your co-parent in person, don't send the text message, send the email. It's much better for your children that they see the two of you interacting less rather than interacting more, being hostile toward one another. That's certainly not good for them. And so I try to get my clients to keep their children at the center of really any decision that they need to make. Is this decision in the best interest of my child? And if the answer is yes, great. I know she just said it out loud and we can't frame like spoken words, but I think that's really important because what I'm hearing (laughs) is another, like I'm sensing a pattern and what I'm hearing you say is in communication, in interactions, in relationships with kids, it's set boundaries, be very clear about what you're willing to do what you're willing to say, how, you know, and how your willingness or unwillingness to participate and setting those boundaries and keeping them and maintaining them is going to reflect on how the whole process carries out for you and like how the co-parenting and how the divorce process. I, it's hard. And I, I it's one of those things because, again, Sarah and I sit from here from the perspective of this is not happening. Like we're going to figure it out. <laughs> but it would have to be something really bad. Like the, our partner would have to do something really bad to be like, peace out. And this is ending. I love how nobody ever assumes that they're the one that's going to do something really bad. I'm (laughs) saying, right. I mean, that's why I'm sitting here quietly is I've seen so much over the years that I'm just like anything is possible. I'm saying it from the perspective of for us to seek that out, for our partners to seek that out. I don't know what it would take, what it would take. Mm -hmm. But again, it would have to be something that we did that would be really but and bad to them may look different. And so I don't want to speak for them. And we can ask them the next time they're on the show. What would it like? What would we have to do for you to peace out? It's not always that somebody does something bad. Like we see a lot of cases where maybe somebody has a life event, maybe their parent passes away, maybe they themselves have a medical condition, something happens that causes them to change or to have some sort of mental health issue that they have not realized yet. And at that point, the partnership starts to break down because the spouse doesn't recognize the person the other spouse has become. And so we've seen a lot of cases, especially, I don't know if you guys have heard of the term gray divorce, but there's this trend now where folks over it's either 50 or 55. I don't recall it off the top of my head, but more and more of those folks are getting divorced. And it seems to be that part of it could be the types of things I just mentioned, like the life events. I've seen what you're talking about, where they've been in it for 15, 18 years. And it's that moment of like, it talks about the becoming process. And Mm -hmm. usually in their Mm forties, you're like, okay, here I'm becoming. And then it doesn't have to be this traumatic event. It can literally be in that becoming process that people realize I'm just not willing to settle or I'm just not willing to do mediocre. Like I've had that conversation with Matt where I was like, 
I have seen this happen. So that's one of the things yeah. where I'm like, yeah, yeah. I am not staying in mediocre. So we need to be intentional about creating the connection right. and yada, yada, yada. But that's why so I'm saying like- it's not always something major for But that's sure. why I'm saying for us, because we have those conversations, like I think something like, in my perspective, I would say something tragic would happen. Something bad would have to happen. Or like- It would have you- to be an event. Like I, because I have the willing, like you have to come at it from a, a position of I'm in the willingness to not be mediocre. I'm in the willingness. And if they change and come to me and be like, I am done with this. And I'd be like, all right, it's going to cost you. For sure. So do you want to have this? Let's have that conversation. Couples counseling is cheaper <laughs> than divorce. Jamie, do you see this? Because this I saw a lot too. People- or think they're being nice or being dutiful or being a good spouse by just agreeing to stuff without actually like, it's not really true or what they want or what they believe. And so they've spent, it's usually, they would always come around that 10 year mark. It was like that seven year, like where they called it the seven year itch. And so it'd be like that seven to 12 year and so angry, so resentful. Mm -hmm. And when you dig in and you're like, but you've been saying yes to all of this whole time. And so the person, like your partner, your spouse had no idea. (laughs) And so one spouse is what the hell is going on? And the other one is, this is ridiculous. I've been miserable all this time. And one person feels blindsided. Do you see that a lot? Absolutely. One side or the other, depending on which spouse comes to us, one of them usually has known about the separation for a long time because they've been thinking about it and planning it and wanting it. And the other spouse has just been going about their merry way, living life, thinking everything is just great. And then when the other spouse has the conversation with them, they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Like what's and been so that's going why on? I always you know, say, they this don't is what I was trying to get at our, I know our other podcast yeah. episode yeah. that we were in is it's so important to say what you actually mean. And even if you're afraid it's going to hurt somebody else's feelings, the truth hurts less than 10 years worth of lies and being polite because yep. 10 years worth of being polite as to not hurt somebody's feeling is 10 years of dishonesty because right. you aren't being truthful. I think it's, I think a lot of times, like, especially when you know someone super duper well, right. I've been guilty of this. Like I'll have the conversation in my head and then not bring it up because I'm like, I've already played out both sides. I know how it's going to end. And I'm like, nah. or yeah. there's the times where I'm like, I really need to right. bring awareness to this, even though I've had the conversation in my head. And if it's still there within 48 hours, then you need to have the conversation. Yeah. But if you've worked through it in your head, you don't need to bring it up. Yep. Yeah. What kind of, because I'm sure you're, you get all kinds of marriage tips from doing this of we're not going to do that. We're not. So what are some of those tips or valuable information you've gleaned from other people's experiences? In terms of keeping the marriage together, Mm -hmm. I would say communication is key. Just like you all just said, you have to talk about it. You can't keep it in your head and let it build up. Resentment will absolutely kill a marriage. And a lot of times that just turns into you having contempt for your partner. And so those folks are probably going to head for separation if, if they don't deal with it. I also think making time for the couple is really important, especially when you have children. You got to have those date nights. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. Um, mm-hmm. You need to be able to connect with your partner. And it's hard to do that when you have three kids running around the house. Mm -hmm. So making time for your spouse, I think, is really important. Take the vacation, go out to the dinner, do the things that you did before you had kids. And then other arguments we see a lot are usually money related or parenting style related. Maybe one parent's a disciplinarian and the other one's not. And they argue about that. Um, Correct. And it is so important. And I think that's one of the things that I know Mm -hmm. we've struggled with in my house is since COVID making the time because you don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) 
because you don't want to die or you don't want to put your kids at risk and exposure. So I think it's it's a hard balance to to live. No matter how many conversations you have about these things before you get married, it's totally different yes. when you're in it. Yes, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I was going to, I was like, one of my questions was going to be like, so what would you tell a couple that's not married? It doesn't matter because they're going to do it anyway. And yeah. they're going to have to learn because yes. you get, it's like telling a teenager something. You can't <laughs> make them understand until they live and experience it. Yep, for sure. Prenup. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> not necessarily. Prenups are not for everybody, but the, the premise behind a prenup is that you're being open and honest with your spouse about your finances, your debts, what you have, what you... I really think it's important for folks who are getting married to have that conversation ahead of time because sometimes it comes as a shock that your spouse-to-be has $100,000 in student loan debt that maybe you're going to have to help pay down or they have a car loan or maybe they have a trust fund from mom and dad that you didn't know about. These are conversations that you really need to have with your fiance ahead of time. How do you coach them on setting and maintaining these boundaries that can be so hard. But the way that I look at it, like your spouse is someone, it's going to be the first phone call and it's going to be the first, like something happens and you want to talk to them just because whether it's habit, or like whether you like them or not, you're still like, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be hard to break that. So how do you coach people into setting and maintaining those boundaries? The first thing I do when a client comes in for a consultation I very gently tell them that they just need to get ready to be temporarily crazy because they're going to be. Separation is one of the most anxiety-causing events that can happen to a person. And so I also very gently suggest that if they don't have a therapist, that they go find one because it's going to be much cheaper to work through the emotional side of it with the therapist than with me, the lawyer. And also, I don't have the fancy degrees to be giving them actual therapy. I can provide a certain level of legal counseling, but but that's about it. And I encourage them to find a therapist and to just understand the position that they're in, that they're going to feel this anxiety and that it's completely normal. There's you know nothing wrong with that. Folks who are newly separated, a lot of times tend to get stuck where they are. It's paralysis by analysis. They don't know what to do. They don't know what decisions to make. They're overwhelmed. They're worried about what their life is going to look like in five or 10 years from now. And so I try to get them to slow down and baby step. Think about who's going to have the kids tomorrow. How are you going to pay this month's bills? We don't need to worry in January about what your custody schedule is going to be for next Christmas. Let's worry about tomorrow. And that seems to really help get them out of that pattern. And then I have a talk with them about the fact that, yes, I know you probably want to call your spouse who you're separated from, but you guys are adversaries now. He's hired a lawyer. You've hired a lawyer. He's not your best friend anymore. Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for your hybrid workforce. Do you need business process evaluations and solutions to streamline your workflows? A technology assessment, including security and managed services to optimize performance or solutions to create a seamless hybrid workplace experience. If that's you, Wellforce has a growing team of affiliates to support your organization's move to hybrid. Visit wellforce.ai today. One of the things that I've heard from friends who have been going through it is that a part of it is that grieving process for what could have been. Oh, for sure. And what what you imagined was. And allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to go through that grief process. I think a lot of times that we just in general in our lives, like we don't pay attention to grief enough Mm -hmm. that like everyday things, everyday occurrences could trigger 
a grief reaction. Like you can be sad that, and you need, you may need to go through some of those feelings of being angry about it or being sad about it. And that's normal. Let's normalize that. Like all reactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should I say it? No, please don't. (laughs) Okay. So what are some of the challenging parts of your job? I would say remaining objective. There's always the client that you just feel a connection to that you really want to help and you want to make sure that they're going to be okay on the other side. Truth. Um, and I just have to remember the law is what the law is. And really, you know, because nobody wins mad. when you get separated. They're hurt right? and like they're angry. Like, I want to yeah. go to court. I want to duke it out. He did this, that, and the other to me, and I want to win. Okay, Right. And let's talk about what happens when you go to court. You're going to end up with half of what you had before because that's what the law says. And you're going to have less time with your children because you need to share them with your spouse. So there's no clear cut winner. It's really about helping the person get what they're entitled to. If we can do that outside of court, great. That's always preferable, in my opinion. It's cheaper. It's quicker. Mm-hmm. It's less traumatizing to For the you. family. So those um, are the challenges. But that you- I would say... Absolutely. Mommy guilt, right? There's only so much of me to go around. Am I also being a good mom? Am I being a good wife? Am I being a good employee, partner, lawyer at work? There's just so many Mm -hmm. time demands. It's just making sure that I'm present in each one of those places and not thinking about the other thing. I do not have work email on my cell phone. I took it off years ago. When I am at home, I am at home and I have an iPad that I have my work email on. And so if I need to check it or want to check it, I can. Yeah, but I, don't I have fought that, that on my phone you know, so hard. When I finally did it, it was actually helpful because I stayed home with the boys while running the business. And so I could literally be like pushing the swing. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I handled that real quick. Push the swing. <laughs> yeah. But I also think like I have it on, but I turned off the notifications. Oh, for sure. I don't have notifications. So I don't have the notifications <laughs> on. So I don't see the red bubble. So yes. it doesn't like I'm, I stress out seeing Joe's bottom bar on the like that he has so many emails and so many alerts that like. And the people that screenshot me, they're... It's only 248 right now. She doesn't want to see mine at all. I'm in the thousands. Stop. Stop it. (laughs) And it's because I don't Um, have notifications on it. Exactly. But that's it, right? So, but it's, you have to, and those are personal boundaries, right? That's where you have to be like, I'm willing to do this, but not this, or set times. If you're comfortable doing when you're swinging your kid, great. Other people may take 15 minutes. Like, I'm going to go hide in the bathroom for 15 minutes and answer emails. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I really like what you said about being present for... Yeah. Each moment. And I think that, and that goes back to what we've talked about before when we've talked about instead of framing it as work-life balance, we look at it as work-life harmony mm-hmm. and understanding that at That's times, for everybody. and yeah, it's going to be different for everybody. And at times like A might take more of your attention on one day and then B is going to take more of your attention on the other day. But as long as you are able to work that into a harmonious yep. schedule for you, whatever works for you and, and everybody for that sure. is important to you. Exactly. Yeah. So for you, tell us what fulfills you. First and foremost, I think it's being a good mom. I love spending time with my kids and doing things with them and, and teaching them and frankly, them teaching me a thing or two. I love what I do for a living. I love running my business. I love growing my... There was a time back in 2016, it's when my youngest son was born. He was born with a condition that's called tracheoesophageal fistula. And it's this weird thing where 
his esophagus didn't connect when he was cooking. And so he had surgery at three days old. And he's great, healthy, happy, everything turned out wonderfully. But my maternity leave lasted a lot longer than I was expecting it to because I wanted to spend some quality time with him once he got home. And so when I did get back to work in 2017, I was like, wow, I don't have any clients. Like, where did they all go? I was out just a little too long. And so I was like, all right, how do, how do we build this back? And that's really how my podcast was born. I was doing some brainstorming about things that I like to do, some ways that I might be able to market my business. And I was like, I think I could do podcasting. I might like that. And talked to another woman I knew who had um, done some things like that. And she showed me on Amazon how to buy a podcast recorder. And I did. And from there, that's how I got started. And that was back in 2017. And talk about fulfilling. Just watching it grow over Mm -hmm. the years has been really cool. I've really enjoyed that. I say all the time, even if I don't get a single client, my baby, I'm going to continue to do it. So I would say that's probably what I find to be fulfilling. I like talking to people and getting their perspective on different issues that are related to family law and divorce. The law can be a little dry sometimes. I find it to be interesting, but most folks don't. And I think it's interesting to hear um, mainly how like the the personal side of what I do, like how that fits in with the legal side. So I I speak with a lot of therapists on the podcast and kind of get their take on, okay, this is what's going on legally, but how is this impacting these folks emotionally? And are there things that we can do on our side to help facilitate that? And I saw a need for education of the general public. A lot of folks don't have a clue what it means if they want to get separated. They know they're not happy and they know they want to live somewhere else, but they don't know legally what that means for them. And so I wanted to find a way to provide a free resource to folks. Do you have a percentage of like how many of your clients end up like going to court versus mediation? So in North Carolina, if it's a family financial case, like an equitable distribution case, you're required to attend mediation before you can have your court hearing anyway. And I would say, at least for me personally, at least 90% of my cases settle at some point along the way. Sometimes we have to have like a temporary hearing um, to have some issues worked out rather quickly. But I would say overall, it is the rare case that ends yep. up in a full-blown mm-hmm. hearing. Like that, like people hear divorce, they immediately think it's going to be messy. It's going to be like, and I found that the the ones that, that have gone through mediation or that have found a way to walk through it have said pretty positive things about it, about the experience, given that it's a really shitty experience to go through, right? Like it's not a life experience we'd put on our bucket list. No. Mm-mm. But if you can make it better to experience it. Or so at least painful right. as possible. As least. I, I can't figure out. I can't. <laughs> you get at what least, I'm getting as at. As least painful. Yes. At least get. as least painful as you can. Be. They get right. us. They there get it us. Is. How do you prep your client? Like you said, you meet that with them and you talk with them. Do you have a welcome packet that's like, here's what you can expect? Or are they not even like in a place to listen to that? Do they need to get it like in different ways? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, people come to us in different places, right? Some folks, they wanted the separation, they're in a different place than the spouse who didn't want it and was blindsided. And so we just try to meet them where they are and try to 
guide them through it based on where they are. Mm -hmm. Usually for that initial meeting, if it's the spouse that didn't know it was coming and didn't want it, they really just want to tell their story and they want to be heard. And they're not hearing any legal advice that I'm giving them that day. That's when I direct them to our website. And I say, there's a podcast and there are different episodes on divorce related topics. Listen to those. And that's how I try to get the information to them because they're not hearing me that day they come in because they're upset. Once we get them in a better place, or if they show up in a better place, we give them a plan. I talk through with them what they can expect, the information that we need from them, because there's a whole list of financial documents that we need them to be able to put together. And if they have not separated yet, we talk through the plan of, do you want to move? Do you think your spouse will move? Have them come up with a backup. Okay, you want your spouse to move, but what if she says no? What if she wants to stay in the house? What do you do then? And then we can even talk through how they're going to have that initial conversation with their spouse about separation. What's the most bizarre like outcome that you've seen as a... like? You said 90% end up resolving where you were, or like where you, you were, were like scratching your head and it was unbelievable. Right. Like the whole situation was just like, what the fuck? Have you had any of those? There have been some cases where we had gotten almost all the way through the case. One side was a business owner. We had you know been doing business valuations and the whole nine. And at the very end of it, his CPA disclosed that there was a second set of books. There were real books and it, wow. so, That's it settled ballsy. the case because that came out, but <laughs> right? we had been like, going along the I'm whole gonna time just you know, going about our way and then we find out. <laughs> Y'all don't put anything down on paper that you don't want to find. What? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, it makes it worse. Have you had any well, like. I have actually drafted a custody agreement for a pair of dogs before. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Dogs. Yeah. I can see that. Thank you so much for being on our show today. We appreciate you. Connect with us at girlswhodostuff.com. Subscribe to our email list for fun announcements and leave us a review. It helps other people find our stuff. We would be so grateful to you for taking those actions so we can get this out into the world and change more lives. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And and you you do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.